Developing the Leader Within is a podcast that focuses on leadership, management, and career development. We nosedive into the areas that are holding you back from your full potential. Let us begin. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Developing the Leader Within podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. I know him for at least the last five years. Uh, he used to be my boss, and uh, most of you know that I have said there's a company out there that I would gladly go back and work for, uh, and it's the only one I've ever mentioned in that category. Michael Connolly's company is that company. So we want to uh, continue on our veteran military spouse appreciation, the entrepreneurs that have come out of that lifestyle. And Michael Conley is one of them. Michael, thank you for being with us today. Good to be here, Enrique. Thanks for having me. Well, today uh, we continue on the military entrepreneurship route. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, your service? Yeah, sure. So um, let's see, I grew up in Massachusetts. Uh, I was born in the Concord area right outside of Boston. Um, you know, to go to college for me, the first one in my family, it was a challenge. So the military was a great route. And uh, as soon as I got out of high school, I, en I enlisted, went to basic training at Fort Jackson. Um, South Carolina was very hot for my uh, Massachusetts blood down there. And um, uh, came back and immediately got an ROTC scholarship. Went to University of New York. The government paid for everything. In fact, I got paid to go to school. Um, I got a stipend of around $1,500 a month, which, you know, plus books, which is amazing at the time. Um, and put me in a position to get a degree, had almost no uh, student loans or debt when I graduated. And then I was fortunate enough to assess uh, aviation. And from there, I went to Fort Rucker, Alabama, spent about 18 months uh, learning how to fly, had never flown before. You know, my flight instructor, Frank Ovnik, was 66 years old, did four tours in Vietnam, was a presidential pilot for Ford and Nixon. So to say those 18 months were intense would be an understatement. It was an extreme experience that not only taught me how to fly, but um, taught me how to be an adult, you know, a leader. And um, made some great friends, some lifelong friends. And then, you know, this is, this is 2003, 2004. So this is right after the World Trade Center. When I was in ROTC, uh, you know, the planes hit the World Trade Center and I knew kind of, you know, wherever those planes came from is kind of where we're gonna be going. And it was a very intense time in the military. Deployed, uh, spent some time over there. Um, learned a lot about myself. Learned a lot about teamwork. Learned a lot about leadership. And um, my, my time in the military came to an end, and I was fortunate enough to, um, to make a living as uh, being self-employed, starting a company. But that's the, uh, those are the, the big parts and pieces. Um, but my, my, my service was the greatest time of my life. And at the time, I didn't realize that or understand it. I thought it was, you know, ugh, we got to, you know. We get partial information. We got to get up. We got to move here. What is this war even about? What are we, you know, what, what are we doing out here? Um, you know, um, why is the government making me do this thing at four in the morning? 
you know, and just, the, you know how it is working for the government, right? There's, there's frustrations involved in that. And coming out of that, now looking back, it was literally the greatest time of my life and the greatest experience of my life. And that unit mentality, you know, just tough to recreate on the civilian side. So I miss it dearly. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, there's uh, times that I get up and I say, man, it would be great to run and, 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 and hear some cadence today, right? Uh, we, there, there's some aspects of military service that we definitely miss. Uh, we, def we, we are benefactors of all the things that we learned during that time. And they prepared us for what we're doing now. So uh, yeah, kudos to, uh, in your case, the Army and in my case, the Navy. Uh, but uh, yeah, they did a real good job in preparing us for some of the challenges, not all of them, but some of the challenges that we face uh, coming out. So uh, I'm, I'm interested into getting into your entrepreneur route because, you know, we know that the military life doesn't prepare you for entrepreneurship. Uh, there are some apps, aspects of it that does, right? The uh, commitment, uh, selflessness, uh, you know, getting up early, going to sleep late, <laughs> those type of things that we do day to day. But what got you interested in entrepreneurship uh, coming out from a, an aviation community, flying helicopters? Uh, you would always think, hey, I might be interested in going out and, do, and doing commercial, but you went a totally different route. Yeah. Well, um, I started a, a lawn mowing business when I was 13 where I went down to my the local corner store and I, and I, you know, put my phone number on there and I said, we'll mow your lawn for $10, no matter how big. And my dad would drive me on the weekends to, uh, to mow these lawns and he would cart my lawnmower on the back of his pickup truck, drop me off. I would do my work and, and come back. And I, I kind of got the sense that, well, the more lawns I mowed, the more money I made. And there was no limit to that. It was unlimited. It's sort of this concept of unlimited potential that seemed very different in contrast to a normal profession where it seemed, although growth potential, limited in many ways. So I was very attracted to that. And quite honestly, growing up very humble beginnings, you know, not a lot of money to go around and seeing a lot of the pain that not a lot of money had, you know, caused throughout my family and uh, the community that I lived in, I wanted to, yeah, I wanted more money. So I looked, put those two things together and I thought, well, maybe, um, you know, maybe that's where I want to go. So really everything I did was about getting there. You know, I knew I needed an education. If anyone's ever going to invest in me, I need to have a sort of a foundation that's investable. So the poor kid from Massachusetts story with an idea is not going to go very far. So maybe the poor kid from Massachusetts with a college degree, an officer and an aviator, maybe that's more investable, right? So putting myself in a position to one day be able to take a shot at that, uh, because I also learned early on to have an idea is not enough. It needs to be financed. And unless you come from, you know, a place where you have those types of resources, you're going to need someone else to invest in your ideas. In order to do that, you have to be investable. So that was my focus. Um, and then the kind of, you know, as I was in the military, you know, doing my thing, when I, when I got out, I actually, Blackwater, their contract, their aviation contract was removed 
and they were giving out new contracts for aviators, triple canopy and, and um, it's a Dynacor, I think, that were competing for the contract. So I applied to Triple Canopy when I got out of the military. I figured, well, I just went there and did this. They paid me, you know, $60,000 a year to go do this. I might as well just go do it for $200,000 a year. And then I can use that money to invest into, um, you know, building a business. And I got the job with Triple Canopy. My bags are packed at the front door waiting to get the call. And they didn't, Triple Canopy didn't get the contract. It went to another um, it went to the other contractor. So that if had I got that contract, I think my life would have changed because what I did next, you know, call it circa 2009, 2010, the housing crisis had just happened. So homes were $25,000 in foreclosure. I mean, you could buy these houses for the price of a car. So I took all the money that I saved while I was in Iraq and I started flipping houses. I had no idea what I was doing. I bought the house. How do you drywall? I'd go on YouTube. How do you drywall? And then I drywall the house. My dad would come in and go, that's a terrible drywall job. I go, we'll put enough paint on it. It'll be fine. And, um, and I did that. And I started flipping houses. And I started to build this, uh, this, this nest egg. And that's, that's, that's the money that I used ultimately to invest in the software company that eventually became Sanobi. So there were some twists and turns in there. That, you know, when I got out of uh, the army, I thought very much about being a pilot because that's all I knew. It's what I did for most of my 20s and um, is what I was good at. It's the skill I had. So I was going to go make more money doing that with the focus of saving so that I could eventually invest um, into something else. But that, that path didn't present itself for me. So another path did. And it was the entrepreneurial one. And, and, and I was able to kind of jump on it. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, you, you mentioned earlier that, hey, this thing started when you was a kid, right? It takes a lot of guts to throw a number up there and say, <laughs> I'll do any lawn, whatever size, for 10 bucks, right? And <laughs> once you said that, my eyebrows went up and I was like, wow, that's, that's a lofty, <laughs> that's a kind of uh, one of those uh, advertisements that it'll get you if somebody got smart. But you did it. And so it started as, as, as a youth as a young boy, you, you executed. And that's, I think, laid a lot of the ground. I, I love when you say, you know, hey, my, my dad threw it on the back of a pickup, you know, and so you, you had help, you had encouragement. And, and I love that piece. Uh, for those that are listening, uh, you're a parent and your, your kids are exhibiting some entrepreneurial uh, characteristics. You need to support them. Don't, don't, don't bring them down. Don't cut them off. You need to support them because they, you never know, right? We, we're all going to get older. Them kids are going <laughs> to, they, they're going to have to carry us one way or another, but we'll make it a whole lot easier for them. If we feed their dreams and feed their aspirations, uh, although be it, you know, uh, tailored and, and guarded, right? Because we're still parents, but feed your kids, the, that uh, that uh, positive impact and support if they're showing some entrepreneurial uh, traits. Uh, so I love that piece that that you shared. So now you you did the helicopter. The uh, you know we all have those. Man, the, it was right there. Right, it, I was about to get it, and then uh, you had to pivot. Right, it's a huge word now. We've all had to do some type of pivot 
and so uh, you you took that money, you did what you thought was best. Flipping houses in a in a market that was struggling was probably the best thing you could have done. Um, and so now you get your, you know you get your nest egg and you go down that entrepreneur route full head. Well, uh, what was that like for you? Yeah, so you know, my 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 brother-in-law um, Nathan Thomas had come down to to visit, and we said, you know, we were visiting, we were having lunch, and I said, hey, I have some ideas um, that you maybe could help me with, and you know, this vision for building out this software company. Um, and I need your help because he was a software engineer and I wasn't. I said, I'll pay you $400 a week if you help me. And he said, sure, happy to. And, and he did. And he did a lot more than $400 a week because ultimately what we, what we were able to build um, was a network of websites that grew to 30 million visitors a month. And we needed technology to monetize that user base. So the idea was, how can we build technology to connect brands to individual consumers in a way that'll generate the most money for the content provider? So the way that business works quite simply is, CBS produces a great piece of content, they spend a lot of money on it, you come to their site to consume it, and now they have an opportunity to monetize that visitor. And by connecting that visitor to a brand and, and our goal was to try and do that for ourselves first, because we were that publisher. So we were in the sandbox trying to figure out ways to do that. And ultimately we did. And Nathan built this incredible, you know, early days uh, platform that just increased the yield across our websites in a way that was incredible. And we thought, man, this, this works so well for us. Maybe it could work for others. And that was the very beginning of Sonobi as a concept. And we started to hire software engineers, Chris Faherty, Ronald Berner, early guys, Mark Brady, that would, you know, ultimately expand, build this platform into something that, you know, could not only support us, but could support others and at a global scale. Justin, he was just getting out of the military. I asked him to join. He joined, he jumped in and yeah. And we just, you know, haven't looked back since. And, and, you know, the company today, to give you an idea, you know, we did around, call it a hundred thousand in the early days of Sonobi, call it a hundred thousand transactions per day or a hundred thousand opportunities per day. You know, the company now has grown to 17 billion opportunities per day with clients like CBS, Weather, um, brands like 800 Flowers. Um, it's just, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to believe, you know, and, and, and in the time it took me to tell you that story, you know, we've connected consumers and advertisers, you know, literally millions of times. So, um, Massive scale now, uh, large engineering team, all Central Florida based, which we're really proud of. So yeah, so just going back to that time in terms of investing into it, it was always checkpoints back to aviation. 
you get to the next checkpoint before you turn to the following checkpoint. You're not thinking about that, that last checkpoint. You're thinking about the next checkpoint and flying that heading and make sure you're timing it perfectly so that you arrive at that checkpoint on time. That's the goal. And that's how we did it. We just looked at the next checkpoint and it made it a little more manageable. Yeah, I love how, you know, and we mentioned earlier how some of the things in the military kind of prepares us for some of these things, you know, the checkpoint process, the, you know, go, go to your next spot. Don't think about, you know, cause you're gonna, you're gonna either overturn or you're gonna underturn, you're gonna turn at the wrong time. It's, it's a perfect analogy for how military does prepare us for the entrepreneurship route. Um, there's so many, um, you know, things that not only do they teach, but they actually ingrain in us from day one. Uh, you mentioned, you know, hey, this guy, four tours in Vietnam, he was no, he was no uh, soft cookie. <laughs> the guy had some history, he had some knowledge, and, and you, were, you were blessed, really, to-, oh, to uh, absolutely. I still hear his voice, man, you know, when I'm making decisions. And one of the things he told me was, um, you'd be surprised what people can achieve when they're pushed beyond their perceived limits. And in, in flight school, at the end of primary, you take a check ride. It's one of the most important check rides because it determines whether or not you're going to progress. And if they're going to wash people out, they tend to do it early on. And that was that first check ride. And, you know, I, we were doing these, these touchdown auto rotations, a very difficult maneuver. And every single time it was not good enough. You know, it would come in and he'd always have, always have a correction, a, a, a way to improve it. You know, it can always be better. And when I went out and took my check ride at the end of the check ride, the, uh, the check pilot said, Hey, what'd you think of, um, what'd you think of your flight? And I said, I, you know, it was good, but I, you know, I could have done this better. And, you know, I really blew this. And he said, man, that was one of the best check rides I've done. So I went back to Frank. I said, Frank, what's going on here? You know, I thought I was terrible. <laughs> he goes, you'd be surprised what people can do when they're pushed beyond their perceived limits. Don't settle. It's not good enough till it's right. And that type of tenacity is at the foundation of every successful entrepreneurial venture. It really is. Because um, being an entrepreneur is a profession. There's tradecraft, there's skill, like a carpenter. There's things you have to know to do it well. But the ingredient that can't be missing is tenacity. And you gotta get that somewhere early in your life. We just, I don't believe we just grow up and have that. I believe someone needs to plant that in you. And for me, it was Frank. Yeah, outstanding. I, I love these stories where, you know, these, these leaders that have come up, have a lot of experience, get a young person like us at one time and just, you know, they mold us. They mold us into the people that we are today. And so uh, God bless Frank, wherever he's at, uh, and continue to uh, uh, encourage him. But yeah. so now you now you got Sonobi, you're going. Uh, you know I'm wearing the shirt because uh, I was there. Uh, like I said, well, uh, uh, probably the only company I could tell people that I'll go gladly work for again. Um, so Sonobi's going, and and things are, are you know they're expanding. Things are growing. Uh, your 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 services are getting bigger. The clients are getting bigger, and all these things. So. You know, COVID hit you just like it hit me and, and, and the rest of the world. 
So, you know, how did Sonobi pivot? How did Sonobi mold around that situation? And, uh, um, and where are you guys headed? Yeah. So we're coming up on it, you know, look, look at it this year saying this is going to be the biggest year over year growth year we've ever had coming into this year. All the parts and pieces, the foundation, it was all laid for a growth, big growth year. January, February, March didn't disappoint. Shooting up. And then COVID hits and the economy shuts down. And our, our business is tightly correlated with the interconnected economy of consumption. So when consumption goes down, the desire for a brand to communicate to a consumer goes down. So for example, if the planes aren't flying, Delta's not advertising, right? If you're buying toilet paper because there isn't any, P&G's not advertising because they don't need to tell you to go buy toilet paper, right? <clears throat> so all these different things had a significant impact on the open web, the World Wide Web, because the World Wide Web functions through advertising, right? That's how it stays free, and that's how these publishers make their money. And, um, and it tanked. I mean, it just went, I mean, almost day, to, day over day, just boom, went down. And the first thought that came to my mind was, how do we make sure we don't furlough anybody? How do we make sure no one gets let go? And that became the goal. So we got the team together and said, okay, look, what, what needs to be, what belts need to be tightened? What changes can we make? And the hardest part about planning is you don't know when it's going to end. Is this a third? Now we're looking back and saying, okay, we came out of it about these many days later, but going into it, you don't know. There's an uncertain future. So you have to batten down the hatches for some undetermined period of time. There's a lot of stress associated with that, not just for leadership, but for employees. What's going to happen to me? Am I going to lose my job? So, you know, we focused on that. We got to work on the financial modeling and we just came up with scenarios. If it drops to this, this is what's going to happen. If it drops to that, this is what's going to happen. And we had all these contingency plans set up. And it came, started to come down and hit that first bar. And we said, okay, we're ready for that. It came down again and it hit that next bar. I was like, okay, we're ready for that. And if it kept going down, you know, it was going to start to get ugly. And fortunately for us, thank God, uh, it didn't go any lower. And, you know, our business was affected by, you know, call it 30, 40% at times, but it never got any lower. We could absorb it. So we were in a position to absorb it. We had a plan for it. And fortunately, we, weren't, we, we, we were able to maintain all of the employees. And then as the economy started to come back and as things like virtual learning came into the equation, lots of money started to flood into these segments to kind of offset some of the losses, and put us back on track. So unbelievably, we're on plan for this year because Q3, you know, over the last three months, it's been such a good quarter for us. It sort of made up for what happened in, in Q2. So Overall, we're, we're, we're doing great, and we're very grateful because we know we're doing um, – not everybody is doing well. And there's some business models that have been greatly affected in, in millions of people that have been furloughed um, or on unemployment. And it's a, a tragic event for the economy. And we're just grateful, uh, all of us, that, that um, you know, we still have a job to go to. Well, you know, it goes back to if you plan, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? And uh, it looks like you guys took that to heart, 
you were able to strategize a plan for if this happens, what if, right? What if, what if, what if, what if? And uh, yeah, just like uh, a lot of uh, companies out there have that, they have not made it. Uh, but there are some that have, uh, especially if you was around the, you know, the web-based type of company, uh, because that's all we had, right? So like right now, we're doing Zoom, we're doing computer, you know, so if you were in, in the Zoom business, they went from 300 million to 600 million <laughs> like this. So, um, you know, it, it just depends on where you wrap your, your, your business around. And, uh, and I'm so glad and, and, and happy to hear that, you know, all the people I love because they folks, I, I know most everybody at Sanobi, uh, uh, past and present, um, and, uh, and, and I love them dearly. So I'm, I'm happy that uh, you guys were able to, uh, you know, to navigate these waters um, and recoup, you know, and, and get back on track. So um, Sonobi's doing great things. Your military history, your entrepreneurship endeavors, uh, your company and the people are doing great things. Uh, folks, uh, you know, look, look into uh, different veteran entrepreneurship type of companies and, and see, you know, what they have to offer. Uh, great minds behind these companies, and we salute them in the month of September, uh, Sonobi being one of them. Uh, so, Michael, great story, uh, great backdrop, great uh, foreground uh, for where you guys are, are, are headed. Uh, what's, what's in the future for you? Yeah, so we've got a super exciting announcement we're going to be making next week, maybe the week after. You just got to finish up the, the, the press release, but um, really excited, ton of hard work. It's really the culmination of, uh, of, of nine years working on this. So um, stay tuned for that, but you'll see kind of where we're going, but we are definitely, um, we are leveling up in a very, very big way. And we're, we're, um, we're really blessed to be uh, in the position that we are. So I can say that good things to come uh, from, from, for Sonobi in the future, and we're excited to announce, um, you know, we've been sitting on this now, the employees know about it, we, we announced it to them last week, um, but I'm sure you could imagine the various things it could be, but unfortunately I have to wait till it's out before I can say, but we're just really excited. So what that's going to come with, um, that announcement is a lot more resources for us to not only grow uh, an accelerated way, but to acquire other businesses. So, um, yeah, it's just leveling up, man. You know, it's like that run group in basic training. You start out in D group, and then once you get good, they put you in C group. And then once you get good, they put you in B group. And you just never get good. You're always working, you know? So that's, uh, we're going to, we're getting ready to go to the next group. Outstanding. I, I, I love to hear that. Uh, you know, I saw, uh, you know, you guys from the startup all the way into, you know, where you are today. Um, I've, I've kept track from afar, uh, although I'm not too far, I'm only 30 miles down, uh, but, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's so good to hear a, a, a veteran come out service, use their resources and their education, uh, chart a way through the entrepreneurship world, um, create a company that's sustaining people, which is, uh, just so great. Uh, and and I, I'll be, uh, you know, stay in tune to hear what the news is, although I might ask you on the side. But 
I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you on the side. Outstanding. All right. So if, if somebody wanted to get a hold of Michael Connolly, uh, Sonobi, how would they do that? Yeah. LinkedIn's the best way. Um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm also on Twitter. Um, uh, but my, my LinkedIn, uh, you can just find me, search for Michael Connolly, Sonobi. Um, and, uh, that's usually the best way to get in touch with me. And I, you know, I, I monitor those messages. So if you want to reach out, anyone wants any, uh, you know, veterans out there, you know, I was, look, we got to stick together. You know, we were, we were a part of a unit. Um, we're not in that unit anymore, but we are, and we have an obligation to each other. Uh, so be happy to help anyone that, uh, has any questions or, is thinking about entrepreneurship as a profession. And that's how you have to think of it. You know, it's not something you dabble in. You're gonna fail. That's part of the, that's part of the job. So um, yeah, LinkedIn's the best way, Enrique. All right, folks. So I'm gonna have all that information with the video or in the comments, either or. Uh, Michael, well, uh, thank thing, you so I much. I gotta say, before, before, you, before you let me go, I gotta say one thing about you for your, for your listeners here. So. <laughs> For Enrique, just a quick story on him. He used to come into the office, um, and we're we're a technology company, right? So it's you know it's it's t-shirts, shorts. We're just happy when people get dressed to come to the office. And Enrique would come, you know, who's a senior chief in the Navy, would come in some days a suit, always a tie, um, always. And he started Hula Shirt Fridays, which uh, is still in effect, by the way. Um, and what is leadership? Leadership to me in the culmination of my life at this point is elevating the standard by which those around you rise to. And wherever Enrique is, he's elevating the standard. So congratulations to you, brother. And we wish you the best. We love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I, yeah, I love you guys as well. Um, and folks, uh, you know, just uh, don't be afraid to branch out. Don't be afraid to get into something new. Uh, entrepreneurship, I'll tell you, it's not for everyone. Uh, as Michael said, you, it, it's a profession. You got to get good at it. You got to get smart at it. So, uh, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid and go out, go, go out and get your dreams. Michael, thank you for being with us today. We love you, brother. Love and, you uh, and for everybody out there, you know how we finish this? Success to you. Thank you so much for tuning in. And I'd love to hear suggestions for our future shows or any remarks you may have that will help us improve. Until then, success to you. <laughs>